And... Whiskey Tango fucking what? <laughs> Whiskey Johnny... Tango fucking what? I think that's the title of this episode. <laughs> Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Melissa Kercher and Wendy Bowlesby. Please excuse the static in this episode. We had a technical issue we didn't discover until after recording. In Xanadu, in Kula Kana, safety pleasure dome decree. And in our podcast, Pleasure Dome, we'll talk about some movies. If you'd like to drink along with us, this week our wine pairing is a Malbec by Barefoot Wines. It's cinema pleasure this is Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Why we named it that, we'll get to in a while. And yes. I am Wendy Bowlesby, and I'm Melissa Kircher. And we've known each other for over a decade. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. the first time I ran into you was when we were both working at GE. No. Yeah. I don't even remember that. You have a better memory than I do. No, because you knew you knew Tim. Didn't you? Anyway, you guys, you guys long, don't care. Yes, um, totally. We're we're really going off the rails right now. We have wine and I don't apologize. So Melissa and I ha- are both huge movie fans. Um, we both go to Buttonumathon, which happens every December in Austin, Texas, which is mm, sort of uh, film geek Christmas. It yes. gets described. Yes, as it is definitely my Christmas. We like movies, but we come at movies from two different points of view mm-hmm. that are still nonetheless compatible. Right. Uh, Melissa has a much deeper like knowledge and love for horror B movies, odd movies. I I'm foreign. Yes, uh, horror. Also, I'm. Uh, I've spent the last several years educating myself on foreign movies, older movies, kind of giving myself a film history 101 and 103 and 105 and <laughs> master's class and graduate degree and yeah. yes, yeah, yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm currently in treatment for a uh, obsessive-compulsive di- disorder, and the only time my therapist looked freaked out was when I described my mood- movie database, with which I track all of these crowdsourced movie-scoring websites and what movies are bubbling to the top so I can decide which movies to watch. But that's what editing is for. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, that's a good... I know. I know. I know. <laughs> we could do that later. We could do it at the end. You don't know when we did it. We did this in one bottle of wine. No. Yeah, no. That's my one bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> my love of movies comes more from a musicals aspect mm-hmm. and a deep love for B movies. I oh, yes. I love a good popcorn flick that is unabashedly just going for it. Chew on that scenery, please. Our geek veins run deep in certain areas. In so certain areas. we've already touched upon your musicals. Yes. We can both get into B movies. I mean we both share this abiding love of Lake Placid. Lake Placid, oh <laughs> 
B-level movies that fly under the radar because they look like, you know, they're just crap. But really, there's more going on there than you think. Like, mm-hmm. Josie and the Pussycats. Hey, Josie and the Pussycats is amazing. <laughs> it is such a brilliant satire. It is. And there's so much scenery chewing. And everybody in that movie knows exactly the movie they're making. They're making mm-hmm. an over-the-top, ridiculous movie just for the fun of it. Thank you. I'm there. I'm with you. Bring it on. The name of their school is Rancho Carne Meat Farm. Meat Farm. That's hilarious. It is. Did you ever see uh, Spice World? Now that we're on this tangent? No. Spice World is a great double feature pairing with Josie and the Pussycats. Oh. I can't remember which one I watched fairly recently. I think it was Step Up. It was... The cheer, cheerleader movie, was it? No, 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 that's Bring yeah. It On. It's it was weird. very good. I Well, <laughs> very good for what it was trying to do. One of my favorites, Eliza Dushku, mm-hmm. Faith from Buffy. Yes. Also from The Dollhouse, which was good for about half a season. I, I say this as a geek, but I did not watch season two. I keep meaning to because I'm a geek, and that means I have an OCD strain running through me. Mm-hmm. I need to complete things, but I keep not being in the mood. To complete that. Yeah, because it, it, it sounds like work. Yeah, it kind of I, I haven't watched Dollhouse at all. Yes, it's OCD, <laughs> but I feel like everybody needs an OCD friend to sort of help them keep everything together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My, I, I feel like I found my place in the world. Yeah, the, okay. you are a boon to our social circle. <laughs> I feel like we need to, on maybe on the website, like just post like a top ten beginners list, not... I hate to use the word favorites, right? Mm-hmm. I think all geeks have a have a hatred for the word favorite or best because it changes. It changes constantly. You know, don't don't ask me to choose my favorite top ten films right now. Oh and, yeah, and then like be like, hold me to it. Don't hold me to it. It's gonna change. But like, I, but classic, I think like five great five, movies. Five, five. Underappreciated movies. Ooh, yes, yes, yes. yes. Class is one of them. Josie and the Pussycats mm-hmm. is a potential for the list as yeah. well. So, yes. What? What are we? Where are we coming from? We're coming from a place that is first off a female perspective, which yes. so often gets overlooked. What we have to offer is hardcore geekitude. Yes. Um, not to toot our own horns about it, but both of us have deep. Geek cred. Yes. Um, We're hardcore geeks. As, a, as opposed to softcore geeks. <laughs> Which... And, or, or, you know, like, Maxim covered geeks. Or, yeah. You know what? You know... It, <laughs> just make I your just, own visual on I'm that. just digging my own hole on that. <laughs> oh! Just, you said God hole. damn it! <laughs> More wine. You said hole. Of course I did. We have wine, we are women, and there might be song. Ah, my glass is broken. My glass is broken. It is empty. It is empty. Woohoo! I can fix your glass. Going going a little bit earlier for B-movies, there is this wonderful horror movie I discovered several years ago called I Bury the Living from, I believe it was the 60s. Might have been late 50s, but it's definitely cheap B-movie. You know, they could afford a couple rooms to film in and that's about it. Oh, and a graveyard. But it it's not quite what you expect from the title. But anyway, I Bury the Living is about this guy who inherits the local cemetery. And he 
here's a... Wait a minute. The local cemetery is a private concern? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he, he, he inherits a job at the local cemetery. Okay. Or whatever it, whatever okay. it is. All right. So he, right he, there, we have our B-movie bona fides in terms of a ridiculous premise. No, yes. Yes. But he, he hears from the caretaker, strange things are afoot in the cemetery, and there are these weird things going on. Like, he... There's this giant map of all the plots on the wall, and in pencil, all the plots are written in who who's destined for those plots, and the plots have been interred. You know, there's a black pin in each one, and there are white pins in the ones that there's nobody in yet, and so one of the pins gets pulled out, and he accidentally replaces it a white one for a black one, that person dies. Oh! Yeah! That's awesome! I know! <laughs> and, and the plot goes from there. And it's it's kind of brilliant. And the music is by Albert Band, who was the guy who wrote a lot of the music for Star Trek, the original Star Trek. So it has that kind of Star Trek sound to it. It's it's a lot of fun. And and I believe it's in the public domain, so it's fairly easy to find. Oh, okay. And it's, and it's really short, too. It's like 65 minutes long or something like that. Excellent. I wonder if I sound as tipsy as I actually am. Hmm. We'll Let's find out later. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out in the editing bay. Hmm. How, how long was the original Evil Dead? The original Evil Dead. I think that was a ninety-minute movie. Yeah, you got to keep this stuff short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brief, brief, you know, to the point. Well, the, the story should be as long as it should be. Yeah. Now we all have seen Drag Me to Hell, right? Yes. Okay. I love Drag Me to Hell. Yes, yes, so much. And again, short mm -hmm. and a delicious premise. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's so much about that movie. I I may need to rewatch that tonight. Well, I love that it's. First of all, female-headed horror, and it's not in the sense that, you know, usually have the screaming woman running away from the murderer and all that stuff. It's it's this duel between two women. Yeah, and it's and, not it's not the female as victim of whatever. It is yeah. the female as agent. Yes. Which is super attractive. I think Cracked first published it, but I may be wrong about that, but it's definitely on Cracked somewhere. The theory that uh, Drag Me to Hell is all about eating disorders. Oh. And it's all a metaphor for an eating disorder. I need to rewatch Drag yeah. Me to Hell. I don't know if that's what Sam Raimi intended, but oh my, it does work. And it's a really interesting filter to see that movie through. Hmm. Oh, Sam Raimi. I mean, watch for, like, the little offhand comments in certain scenes, like, you used to be a fat girl, didn't you? And there's the old photo of her that she's kind of a little, a little overweight, and the point where, you know, she's eating ice cream, and the boyfriend says, I thought you were lactose intolerant, and ah. there, there's a... It, there's a lot of violence done to her mouth, and it's, it, it's a, like I said, it's a, I don't know if it was intentional, but it's an interesting filter to see that movie through. Violence done to your mouth mm -hmm. is my dead milkman cover band. <laughs> Amen to that. So wait, what's the last film Sam Raimi did? I think it was Drag Me to Hell. He's been doing, he's been doing a lot of producing lately, but I Which, think that know, was the yeah. last thing he Cause directed. Because I, I feel like, I feel like... Spider-Man 3 just left such a sour taste in his mouth oh, that he yeah. just walked away. Well, he, I don't think he wanted to do Spider-Man 3. You could tell that he... Oh, God, yeah. Like, his... I want to do a musical. Let me do a musical. 
I know. We do something else. I have a... When I walked out of Spider-Man 3, which was a terrible movie and not in a good way. I want to make this clear. This is not on my list of underappreciated movies. It was a really unhappy movie. Yeah. But when I walked out, I I have to admit that I had a little bit of affection for it because there came a point in the movie where I'm like, holy shit, this is a musical. Yeah. I mean, first there was the song, the song that um, Mary Kirsten Jane Dun- sings, Kirsten, Kirsten Dunst, Dunst um, that she sings. I'm like, wait, we have a musical number. And then <laughs> when Peter Parker is dancing, I'm mm-hmm. like, what just happened? How did this turn into a musical? Except that then he went all gothy and I'm like, what, what, what is this? This is terrible. You know, I kind of, I kind of like those scenes just because they went so over the top. They kind of came back around and went, "Okay, this is just batshit insane." I mean, and you kind of have to appreciate the fact that it really does feel like Sam Raimi was just given a great big finger yeah. to the studio, like you're going to force me to make this movie and make a movie I don't want to make. So, how about this? Mm-hmm. Now that said, having finally seen Amazing Spider-Man, thank you, George. Yes. Um, <laughs> thank I, you, George. Thank you, George. I had not seen it for various stupid reasons, and my friend in Texas, George, just sat me down and showed it to me, and I immediately came home and bought the DVD because he was right. It was great. And honestly, I always had a problem with Toby. Mm-hmm. And he's He, at the center of Toby Maguire, is a sort of zen stillness. Mm-hmm. That works for things like Cider House Rules and Pleasantville and, and Pleasantville. Yeah, yeah he yeah. seems he. It takes a lot to make him react. His mm-hmm. reactions are very understated, and so as an action star, it becomes a little bit of a problem, especially a sassy superhero like Spider Man. You know, I, I think the contrast is interesting, too. I, I think Tobey Maguire worked really well in the first movie, but as he aged, it became less and less. So Yeah. I, I don't have... Spider-Man a... 2 was a really good movie because it was a really good movie, but 3, it's like, Tobey was a little old for what he was doing, and, yeah. and there, there were so many problems with I that. mean, I, I love Spider-Man 1 and 2. I have, I have no real beef with Tobey, except that I have to say, in The Amazing Spider-Man, they got the sassy that yeah. was kind of always missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think Toby was a really good Peter Parker, but not so much a great Spider-Man. Whereas in Amazing Spider-Man, I think we got a pretty good Peter Parker and a great Spider-Man. I concur. I, I mm-hmm. am going to concur on that. We were way back talking about what we have to offer. We so We are women, we are geeks, mm-hmm. and we come at film, both of us, from a niche standpoint, yes. from a from a a home place of movies that is not necessarily just Star Wars, but right. more you know not just the blockbusters, not just what everybody's watching, but also an abiding love for some niche that we are unapologetic about, and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if it's good, it doesn't matter if you think it's good, I just love the hell out of it. Meanwhile, I'm left alone with the microphone. We should have intermission music while we pour wine. Because <laughs> I can see this becoming a, a great tradition. A great, a fine tradition. A fine tradition. Tonight we're drinking a Malbec. Wendy has purchased the cheapest one she could find. Pacific Rim. Oh, good one. Yes. Okay. Which, let us be clear, 
did not make nearly enough money for how awesome it was. I agree. Transformers, which was a piece of shit. But Transformers made how an obscene amount of money. Yes. Pacific Rim, which, leaving aside the plot, had gorgeous robots mm-hmm. fighting kaiju with a sword. And nobody went to see it, and I still don't well, understand yeah. why. Well, well the, the reason is because they botched the advertising campaign. How did they botch it, though? Because um, I saw it and went, well, I'm going to go see that. Well, I know. I know you and I did. They didn't realize they needed to do extra work. Like, Transformers comes with its own name cachet. You don't need to do much to sell Transformers as a name because it has this great nostalgia with people of our age. Yes. Whereas Pacific Rim is a completely new... Thing. The American audience is not used to new things. So much of what we except encounter... That, except that the, the it, American critics are always complaining about how everything is a remake. They were banking on it just looking awesome and drawing people in. And sometimes you can't necessarily do the, we'll build it and then they will come. You say to me, Guillermo del Toro, giant yeah. robots, kaiju. Well, yeah, it's like... Fuck yeah, I'm sold. I'm I there. Am, I am, am there so yesterday. so there. Mm, delicious. <laughs> number two, educated. Number two, wait, number three. <laughs> <laughs> number two, number two, number two. Because one of the other things that Melissa and I are being, number one, women. Number two, educated. Wait, number three. <laughs> geeks is that we are feminists and therefore the Bechdel test. If you don't know yeah. what the Bechdel test is, that is B-E-C-H-D-E-L. It is simply, is there more than one woman in the film who has a name? That's criteria one. Yeah. Number two, do these two women talk to each other? That's number two, right? Mm-hmm. And number three is, when they talk to each other, do they talk to each other about something other than a man? And it is surprising how many movies fail this test. It like is the surprising. Vast majority. Pacific Rim, yeah, almost does. Now, well, it, it it fails the test. It fails the test, but yes. it fails in a really kind of spectacular way in that there's really only one female named character. Mm-hmm. But but this female named character's purpose in this film, while she is a love interest, that is not her that is not her character's purpose. Mm-hmm. Her character's purpose is to go out there and fight kaiju and be awesome. Right. Well, the the thing that is misconstrued about the Bechdel test is is the fact that the Bechdel test is actually statistical analysis. Um, it is something to be applied across many movies at once. And that's where it reveals what it's supposed to tell you. And it's a very very easy test to apply, very simple test to apply, and it, and you can answer it with a yes or no question. There's not really a gray area in this stuff. If you apply it across a hundred movies, the vast, vast, vast majority of them, majority of them would fail. That individual film passes or does not pass does not necessarily mean that movie is feminist or not. A, a film like Gravity which has a main character who is female. Except and, that and, there's uh, there, only there, one female. There and, is only one female, and she never talks to another woman. It, but then so again, there's fails. only two characters, so are you really going to be bitchy about it? Right. Going back to Pacific Rim, you have a 
major character, main character who is female and is clearly a well-fleshed-out character. Using the Bechtel test filter, I can see that this at least is a film that has a woman who is her own agent. Right. And what I also appreciate is that this is a woman who is her own agent, but she's not her own agent by being a man. Mm -hmm. She still is allowed to be feminine. Mm -hmm. When my very good friend, uh, C. Robert Cargill, whose book, book, Queen of the Dark Things, is going to be coming out soon. And it is a sequel to Dreams and Shadows, which you should read both of because they are brilliant. Plug for you, Cargill, because I love you. We love you, Cargill. Cargill, who is married to an awesome woman named Jessica, who is also a feminist, and Cargill is very sensitive to female roles. Yes. Which I appreciate. Otherwise, he wouldn't be a friend of mine. So Cargill was asking me about The Hunger Games, because a lot of the critics and some feminist chatter was all about, well, yeah, Katniss is great, except that she's it's all about who she's gonna love is she gonna love gail or is she gonna love Peta? and that weakens her and that pisses me off yeah why is it that a person male or female having an emotional response and trying to figure out their emotional life is weak Mm -hmm. and in fact It's a journey of self-discovery and identity. Who am I? Mm -hmm. And what do I want in my life? And what does that say about me? I don't need my women to be emotionless in order to be feminist, to be strong. I just need them to actually be agents for their own choice. Well, I think there is this kind of cultural zeitgeist where if a woman is sexual, she's automatically renouncing fem- feminism or something like that. Really? Yeah, I, I think I think there's a little bit of that. I mean, well, I, it's I think this bizarre sort of thing of like yeah. either to be feminist, you have to be asexual, or you have to be yeah, precisely a slut who's fully actualized. Yeah, or except it, it, that yeah. that's still a problem. Yeah, so I mean. It, I, I think it's because as a society as a whole, you know, as Americans, we're still kind of finding our way in the dark across this feminism thing. And There's it, the name of a production company. Quick, before the cops get here. Yes. Feminism is all well and good, but everybody doesn't seem to know what to do with feminism plus sex. You can show a woman naked, mm-hmm. full frontal nudity, and that's an R. Maybe. Yeah. Possibly a PG-13, let's be honest. But nobody gets to see the dick. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, And just... nobody gets to go down on a woman, and a woman oh. cannot enjoy sex too much. Unless it's a man giving her the dick. If a, if a woman is enjoying anybody, male or female, giving her a little bit of the tongue action, that's not allowed. There is a uh, wonderful documentary, I think it's still in the Netflix streaming, called This Film Is Not Yet Rated about the uh, MPAA, the the ratings board. Which the ratings board, and I did not know this until I watched this, is secret. Yeah. What the actual fuck? Because I just want traffic on this podcast, so penis, 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 (laughs) penis. We can see the the sound wave for penis. (laughs) There's yours right there. My penis was bigger. (laughs) I'm a man. But what it really means is that filmmakers have no recourse. And when a filmmaker goes in to 
challenge the rating on their film. What they cannot do is cite examples from other films. Like, mm-hmm. you gave an R to this film that totally had somebody flicking a nipple with their tongue. I'm having somebody flicking a nipple with their tongue, and you're trying to tell me it's an X. What the hell? No, 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 no. You can't bring up that we allowed that in another film. That's not allowed. Mm-hmm. Now, to be fair, I'd rather have a rating system than Hayes Code. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I feel like we need to demystify the penis. Well, I, I agree. You know, I see a lot more penis in foreign films. I think this is mostly just an American thing. There was a movie that came out over the last year uh, that was released into home video over the last year, I should say, uh, named Holy Motors, which is an amazing movie. Uh, I think that's on my Netflix. It, it, it should be. It is on Netflix streaming. It's really great. Uh, and I first saw it at Fantastic Fest in all of its bizarre glory. There is a scene where the lead actor is completely buck naked with a huge erection. Uh, when the film went out to streaming, uh-huh. the the production company airbrushed out the boner. So it looks like Dennis Wait, did Lo- they just pixelate his boner? Yeah, there's like a big blur over his crotch so his, that moves with him. So his boner looks even bigger. <laughs> it's, it's just kind of this blur that follows him. He looks like he's wearing a really big merkin. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and this went out to all the streaming channels. So no matter what country you were in, no matter what streaming channel you're watching on, like Netflix or Hulu or wherever you were finding it, mm-hmm. um, boner free, which is weird. When it's on Netflix, it's also on Netflix with Antichrist, which is the Lars von Trier movie with full-on boner and penetration. Yeah, but Lars von Trier is art. To be fair, over the last couple weeks, I was notified that the penis is back in the Netflix copy of Holy Motors. So, Dear Melissa... The penis is back. The penis is back. You can see full-on penis. Thank you, you, Netflix. My personal blog is tinlizardproductions.com. Yes. And when Holy Motors uh, hit Netflix streaming, I posted about the penis thing. Penis, penis, penis. And that has generated more traffic than anything else on my blog ever. I love by putting some other man's not penis on my blog, I generate a ton more traffic than anything else I ever Because American culture is obsessed with the penis. Oh, yeah. That might be the title of one of our other podcasts. Obsessed with the penis. (laughs) Are you kidding me? We're obsessed with the penis in absentia. (laughs) We don't ever get to see the penis, talk about the penis, experience the penis. It is all about the penis in absentia. I love, I love that we've we've gone from hey, this is a feminist podcast to ranting about penises in approximately one hour and twelve minutes. It only took us a little bit for our true colors to come out. Apparently, in addition to being women and geeks and feminists, we are also drunks. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. But if you talk to me about violence, well, mm, what kind of violence? And also, let's talk about how fucked up our view of violence in movies is, in that you can show me violence till the cows come home, but nobody gets to have sex. So it's okay to kill somebody, but you can't actually make love to somebody. Right. Right. You can't give a woman an orgasm, but I can shoot your fucking head off. As long as there's not too Mm -hmm. much blood splatter. Right. 
So now we're removing what violence actually looks like. Mm-hmm. I feel like we need to just be more honest about the real world in our movies. Oh yeah, I'm I'm all for really brutal violence in the violence that you actually makes you uncomfortable. Yeah, because that. That's, That's what the, violence should that, do. That is the reaction you should have. Right? Eastern Provinces is an amazing movie. It's amazing, and the violence in that makes you kind of cringe. Oh, oh. my God. Oh, he is being beaten to a pulp. Like, literally a pulp. Like, his skin is pulpy. Yeah. And, kind of, uh. and he's kind of going gooey where he's being hit. Mm, it's so gross. Naked <laughs> in a sauna fight, and they're just the shit out of somebody while naked. While they're punching each other, you can't help but notice that their penises are kind of like kind of wobbling around. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. I am offended by anybody being my moral compass without them talking to me first, because I'm pretty okay with a lot of things. I could not remember if Ken Russell or Russ, Russ Meyer had directed Listomania, and I know they're two separate directors. And I know I like the oeuvres, separate oeuvres very much, but I get their names mixed up and I can never remember which one is which. And I replied, well, Russ Meyer was porn and Ken Russell was, wasn't he the documentarian? And no, that's Ken Burns. <laughs> so now we don't know who Ken <laughs> Russell is. We don't know who Ken Russell is. I think oh. Russ Meyer was the guy who liked the big yeah. boobs. Yeah, but this off-court porn and, and Beneath porn the Valley of the Ultra Vixens. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the okay. two girls talking about porn. What? Russ Meyer, it's porn. There are penises going in vaginas. Oh, yeah, that's Back true. and forth and back and forth. Now, granted, it's... It's got a well, little bit more of a soft edge to it. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, there's I, some rainbow f- sparkles going on there. I think the definition of pornography that I heard that I like the most is that pornography is anything that you watch that you instantly lose interest in once you're done masturbating. Define masturbating. I mean, honestly, like... <laughs> I feel like there might be subcategories of porn then. Like <laughs> like maybe there's action porn. I think yeah, there you could definitely well, well, make yeah, the claim yeah, that yeah. there is action porn is like like Transformers is total action porn. If you're not watching an action scene, you're just you nobody wants to listen to the dialogue on that shit. I'll agree with that. Yeah. Robots fighting, excellent. Oh god. Somebody ordered a pizza and we have to sit through the delivery man arriving so that we can have more robots fighting. <laughs> Excellent. Can we all agree that uh, Michael Bay is the world's greatest second unit director? <laughs> yes. Yes. And that he he really shouldn't be spearheading his own movies, with the exception of Pain and Gain, which I loved. I still haven't seen. Oh, it's Pain on my and list. Gain. I want to make it clear it's on my this, list. This was a great year for movies about decadence because we had Pain and Gain. And Spring Breakers and Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street was so awesome. I think there was one more that's slipping my brain. Well, but that, was that, it that's American like Hustle? American Hustle. American yeah. Hustle is also... And the only reason I saw Wolf of Wall Street was because it was shown at Vietnamathon. It was on my radar, mm-hmm. but it just looked like yet another sort of Goodfellas. And I'll be honest, one Goodfellas is all that I really need. Because it's about terrible people doing terrible things. Mm-hmm. So when they announced Wolf of Wall Street at Mammothon, I was like, yeah, okay, it's it's Scorsese, it's DiCaprio, I'm going to like it, it'll be fine. But I wasn't planning on paying money. And then I saw it. <laughs> 
and all the fools out there dissing it need to shut their fool mouths up and just go watch it because it's, it's an amazing movie. It's, I wanted after that movie was done, I wanted like a big slab of raw red meat and I wanted to eat it with just with like, like with my, my hands with and straight my teeth, vodka with vodka and slapping people. But you know, George Clooney, I'm all about George Clooney. I am a huge fan of George Clooney. George Clooney is one of the good people. Yes, he is a good guy. Capital mm-hmm. G, capital G. A good guy who knows how to be a star. And so often, stars don't know how to be famous. Right. So, I'm a huge... Like, anything with George Clooney, it kind of doesn't matter if it's good or bad. I'm going to watch it. Mm-hmm. Anything with Robert Downey Jr., yeah. He's so charismatic. He will carry, at the very least, his part of the film so well that you kind of don't care what else is going on. Well, the, the performance makes the film worth worth watching. Yeah. Mark Wahlberg, I have to say. Mark Wahlberg's good. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. If you have not seen, oh, what's the, what's the crazy almost anime one? The big hit. It's not good. It's got Lou Diamond Phillips. <laughs> There's the mark of quality. <laughs> I didn't necessarily mean to link not good with Lou Diamond Phillips, but, but he, 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 can't pick be, a, he can't pick a script. Let's be honest. I love um, Lou Diamond Phillips, not the movies he's in. You know what he's good in? He was good in the recurring character as the FBI guy in Numbers. Numbers. Mm. He was good Num-3-ers. in Numbers. Numbers. <laughs> but the Who big hit has Mark Wahlberg. Yes. Back before he got huge, huge, right? Mm-hmm. When he was just starting to make that transition. And it's not great. There's problems with it. But Mark Wahlberg is so likable. He's at the yeah. height of his say hi to your mom for me powers in yeah. the film. He's just so, hey, dudes, what's up? Yeah. Also, the Italian job. I know fans of the original classic are going to hate on it. And that's fine because yay for the original classic. Mm-hmm. But what, what the remake has is... Mark Wahlberg. It's true. Um, also, I am kind of a fan of Ed Norton's performance. His, his totally creepy-ass performance in Italian Job. What I love about yeah. him as the villain is how they point out that this is a man who stole all their money but had no dreams of his own. Yeah. He stole all of their dreams, too. I love that <laughs> idea. I love the idea of a villain who just wants to be bad to like define who he is because he doesn't have a personality mm-hmm. and when push comes to shove he lacks personalities to such an extent mm-hmm. that he's like asking everybody else what are you going to do with your money because I don't know what I want to do because I got nothing the original Gone in 60 Seconds yes which is brilliant yes in its own way in its own way <laughs> yeah. I mean it's, okay. and that that is car crash porn. Oh, because... that, that is B-movie porn. That is car crash porn. That tickles so many of... Because, oh. honestly, you get like 15 minutes of let's set this up, and then it's nothing but money shots of cars running into each other. Yeah. Okay, for let's reverse. For people who are not okay. familiar with the original Gone in 60 Seconds, um, this is a super low-budget movie that was made in late 60s, early 70s. I can't remember which year. But it, but the what, clothes are fantastic. That's all. You yeah. Know. Oh boy. Yeah. It's and it's very seventies tastic, and the this is a movie that was made by a guy who drove stunt cars for a living, and so it was a bunch of stunt drivers who decided to go. Hey, let's make a movie and just really show off what we do. 
And so this is a movie that was made on a shoestring budget and they would stop production and work on cars until they had enough money to continue production. So this, they, they just kind of did all this stuff in the streets of the city they were in. I think it was Los Angeles. And it Now, was, did they pull and a they, French connection where they didn't actually ask permission? Yeah, a lot of times they didn't actually ask permission and they just kind of filmed this stuff and... Just gonna speed along this yeah. com- this road and maybe crash into a thing or two. They filmed it all in uh, in sequence, so the well, main because... car they only had one of, and so when they trash it, they are really trashing this car. It's not like they had three or four to go through. This was... car is just barely limping along by the end of this movie. What was the name of the car? Eleanor. 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 Literally. The car chase is an hour long. The in, and and when the movie ends, the movie ends when the car chase is over. It's like there's the plot. There's no plot. You you were here for the car chase. It's it, let's it. That's it. You know what the denouement is? The car stopped running. The that's car the stopped denouement. running, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, you don't care. Be honest. It is crash porn. All you want is the crashes. So. You, you gotta get through the first part of the movie. It's like, okay, this is kind of wonky and bad acting and all that. And then the car's chase starts. So, all right, we're off to the race. I can't watch everything. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, same here. I've got a lot of things on my to-do list. Yeah. Like Cabaret. I've never seen Cabaret. And oh, my yeah, God. I knew you were going to do that. I knew you were going to do that. Because I love bad musicals, but Cabaret is potentially in the top ten of... All not even potentially. Cabaret is in the top 10 of every any musical made on film. Well, when period. you're talking about like ten, top 10 films of the 70s, that's usually on the yeah. list. Yes, musical or not. It's musical or not, yeah. I mean, you've got Joel Grey at the height of his of his creepy-ass powers. <laughs> um, you've got Miss... Um, Liza Minnelli. Thank you. Liza Minnelli, who was born to play the role, and not much else, let be, let's be honest, but this was the role <laughs> that she was made for. Well, th- that and her role in Arrested Development... <laughs> Yes! Yes! Um, She's brilliant in that. And of course, Bob Fosse, who was, in addition to being a brilliant choreographer, just an amazing film director, he Mm -hmm. had such a visual sense and he knew exactly how he wanted every frame to look. What I like about that is Bob Fosse wanted his dancers to look more realistic to the period so mm-hmm. they and also they should look a little uh, run down a little you yeah. know third string and so he kept wanting them to gain weight and of course dancers right don't want to gain weight because they're like this gig lasts me two months and then I have to go back out and I gotta look for a job so he would just constantly have the food table just piled high <laughs> with treats and carbs and just be like you know you could go over there to the food table and snack for a while love it my husband ha- now understands after 10 years of marriage when we go to see a movie and there's a trailer that shows and there is dance in it and it doesn't matter how <laughs> crappy the dance is what genre the dance is he just turns to me and says we're gonna go see that aren't we yes what are the what are the, what are the geek veins do we have? Let's see. You have Bollywood, Bollywood, right? Yeah. I'm starting to learn Bollywood, but you I you love, have the deep abiding love. Of Bollywood. I have a deep and abiding love for Bollywood. First off, it's in my wheelhouse. It's musical forms, right? Mm-hmm. So you know I'm gonna love it. What is so great about Bollywood? It it it's also in my sort of B movie unapologetic 
balls to the wall, just go for it mm-hmm. wheelhouse in terms of the Indian audience believes that if you have not touched on every genre in a film, then it was a crap film. Mm-hmm. So you have to have your dramatic moment, but you also have to have comedy. And you also have to have an action sequence. And if you don't get all of that in one film, then why the hell did you even bother? Mm -hmm. So, and in addition to all that, at some point, beautiful people are going to stop and sing and dance in beautiful clothing with high production values. For no apparent reason whatsoever. What's not to love? Yes. (laughs) Shah Rukh Khan. Shah Rukh Khan. Shah Rukh Khan. I I am now a Shah Rukh Khan believer. Shah Rukh Khan is, in fact... The biggest movie star on the planet right now, possibly in a tie with Amitabh Bachchan. Amitabh Bachchan is like the Sean Connery of mm-hmm. Bollywood. He's, um, I call him Mr. Chocolate Voice because he's got, <laughs> he's just got this gravitas, but he's not a good, as good of a dancer as Shah Rukh. And I'll be clear, Shah Rukh is not as good of a dancer as Rithik, mm-hmm. Rithik Rashan. Yeah. Rithik Rashan, I call Mr. Rubber Band Man, but nobody. Well, yeah, he's, he's like. Uh, he's very reedy. He's, he's, yeah, he's, he's a very slender little man. He's very slender, and... but with great shoulders and beautiful green eyes and excellent lips. Um, and 11 fingers. Hey, here's a story for you. Did you know that Shah Rukh Khan, because he is, you know, brown, got stopped by the TSA as a potential terrorist trying to fly <laughs> back to India? Oh, boy. And he looked at them and said, and this is one of the few times I will support this from a movie star. He looked at them and went, do you know who I am? I am literally the biggest movie star on the planet. You asshats. He didn't, I don't think he said asshats yeah. because he's a class act. Yeah. He's a class act. I'm putting that in. I'm sure that was his subtext. Ah, oh, Shahrukh. And he's literally in about half the movies oh, I yeah. see from India. Yeah. Well, that's he's partially a busy, busy beca- man. Partially because your experience is through my experience and well, I have yeah. an extreme Shahrukh Khan bias. If Shah Rukh Khan is in it, I am going to watch it. Mm -hmm. There was this adorable movie that I just watched. Who came over? Claire. Claire came over and we watched this adorable one where Shah Rukh Khan was a nerd Mm -hmm. with like high-waisted pants. (laughs) But then he like tried to, he put on a false identity for a woman that he married, but who wasn't in love with him yet. It's just go with me. It's, It's a Bollywood plot. Um, but he became this cool guy who was sort of a douchebag bro. Uh-huh. And, oh, it was hilarious. But he learned how to ballroom dance. And that was oh, nice. Yeah. I just saw, was it Diwali? Diwali, Diwali. Yeah. Diwali, Yeah. Where I heard that they were initially fishing around Tom Cruise to play lead. But they wound up casting Shah Rukh Khan, which was very interesting to me because the role is kind of this this rich playboy who you know you know learns a little bit more about the world by you know going abroad, meeting the love of his life, and blah 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 blah, and having to be humble to, well, to gain. Bollywood is becoming a lot more present. Yes, in America. Partially because of the immigrants mm-hmm. who are coming over, mm-hmm. um, and so they're bringing it with them, and, and they're bringing their dollars with them, but also simply because movie lovers are discovering the joy of Bollywood. Yeah, because it's great. Because it's great. 
But if you look up Liza Minnelli and you look up tap movies from the 80s, it's that one. And it was adorable. <laughs> so when AI was coming out, there was this huge online sort of Easter egg hunt that was happening mm -hmm. that the producers of AI put out there to see if anybody would notice. And I was on the fringes of it because I was not a hardcore gamer to get into it mm -hmm. the way they were. But I was on the fringes and I was watching and I was following. But one of the things about that story that I loved was that the main character had implanted in her head a mini computer that had its own AI, that had mm. its own personality. And if I could have an AI in my head, what should I name my AI? Gladys. No! <laughs> I'm not going to name my AI after an evil portal thing. I Granted, there would be cake. Except there wouldn't be cake. There we wouldn't be. The cake is a lie. The cake is a lie. Let's name it Mycroft, right? Okay. Okay, because I'm a Heinlein fan. I, oddly enough, when I think Minecraft, I think the computer from The Moon is a Harsh Mistress first. That tells you where <laughs> my sci-fi cred goes. So if I had Mycroft in my head, how awesome would it be that you could just, oh, Mycroft, oh, I forgot to make my chiropractic appointment. Can you call them and do that for me? It would be like being rich and famous and having mm -hmm. a personal assistant with you all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what if Mycroft was Siri? That would just not yes. go well. That would be Milo. That's, that would be the AI that I could afford. <laughs> I'd have Siri in my head and I'd constantly be like, what the fuck? No, that's what? not what I said. July 15th is the opening of the Gates of Hell. Well, <laughs> I'm glad we put that on our calendar. <laughs> But I asked that of Siri this week, and it was the reply. It's the opening of the gates of hell. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'll put that in the show notes. All of you are going to recognize how geeks do this. You know, the guy who was in this, 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 and this. What's his name? I could look it up on IMDb, but it's more fun to just list his credits. The moment... There becomes a chip that you can implant in your brain. It's going to wire me into the IMDb, and I will know all this stuff. Okay, AI. I'm going to be better than Siri. Oh, not everything's better than Siri. <laughs> Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown, and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. New episodes arrive every Thursday. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at xanaducinema.com, follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema, and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. scene. Hold on. It's a French film. They, they do that thing. So... Millions of lives are lost when the Death Star explodes, but nobody talks about that because they're just clones and fuck them. They're not really people. This has been the Xanadu Cinema Movie Podcast. <laughs>